Welcome to Leading from Alignment, a weekly podcast from Converge Coaching, where our passion is to help you lead better, lead longer, and enjoy it more. Hello again, welcome to another episode of Leading from Alignment with our good friend, leadership coach, pastor, friend, all around, been through it, been there, done that, bought the hat, and has given away the t-shirt, John Opaluski. How are you today, John? Well, after that introduction, I'm not sure, um, it's, uh, <laughs> but I'm doing good. It's so good to be with you today, Jim. Yeah. You know, I, I know we usually say uh, 20 minutes from now, our time is limited and we start to speed it up. I just want to jump in today because I, I think that what we're about to talk about requires as much space as we can give. Why don't you introduce episode number 97 to us? So, Jim, I, I want to talk today about a, a very serious subject, yeah. and that's rethinking the role of lead pastor. Um, in episode 96, we mentioned this Barna report that came out in 2009 that that stated that the average church member expects their lead pastor to be proficient in 16 competencies. Yeah. And, 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 you know, unfortunately, Jim, I've observed, and you probably have too, that some lead pastors expect the same thing out of themselves. Right. That they have to be good at 16 things or great at 16 things. No leader that I know is great at six things. No. Plus 16. <laughs> no. And, you know, 20 years in the marketplace, Jim, I never saw a job description. I never saw a role that expected a person to be great at 16 things. Um, nobody in the business world is that naive. Right. That that's yeah. possible. And so, and so the impetus, I've been thinking about this, Jim, for years, this subject. And, you know, we've never done a pod on it. I, I've never really written uh, about it, really, in a comprehensive kind of way. Um, so the thing that kind of pushed me over the edge and wanted to bring this to the pod was I was listening to an interview, uh, of Kayla Stockline in, in August of 2018, uh, Kayla lost her husband, Andrew, who was pastor of, a, of the Inland Hills church in Chino, California, uh, a large church. And, uh, he, she lost him to suicide. Um, Andrew had been a strong advocate for mental and emotional health uh, within the, the, uh, the, the church, and yet he succumbed to his battle with these two twin evils, uh, anxiety and depression. And, and Jim, one of the most memorable statements in that podcast was when Kayla said this, we have to do something to reconstruct the role of lead pastor. Yeah. You know, her thought was the role expected her to, husband to be good at too many things. Right. What do you think about just that thought or that concept, Jim? I think of any relationship, you mentioned the, the business world, but of the family world, the neighborhood, the, the government. When I expect an individual to be what, what even Jesus himself was not often to people, everything. You know what I mean? I need you to be my healer, my provider, my teacher, my, you know what I mean? And he is all those things, but he wasn't all those things all the time to everybody. Right. Um, when we put expectations on man greater than, than even the expectations that Jesus accepted from men, we are setting people up to fail. And I think when church, if you will, is a product and I am the consumer um, and I, so I have the right to demand from Kentucky Fried Chicken mashed potatoes at a certain temperature and, sure. you know, a napkin of a certain quality and or I'll take my business elsewhere. It, it really it really hurts because uh, nobody's in the ministry for the money and the fame. 
They're in the ministry because of the calling and anointing of God and their love for people. And when you are met repeatedly with disappointment and rejection and even anger, frustration, mm -hmm. debate, uh, and man, if some of those are on your board, you know what I mean? Now it's internal strife and meetings outside the meetings and people aren't quitting the ministry because they're not anointed anymore. So yeah. why would they quit the ministry? Right. And it comes back to people. And, and this is one of the, I think one of the linchpins of that reason. Yeah. So, so let's list some of the roles lead pastors are often expected to fill. Right. And, you know, if I, and if I miss some, you, you just, you just let me know. Yeah. So preaching and teaching, right. That's sure. That, yeah. That's an easy one. Shepherding and pastoral care, yep. counseling, leading an organization, leading a staff, leading small groups. Um, the lead pastor is expected to be a visionary, a strategist, an mm -hmm. implementer, a culture shaper, a financial wizard, an administrator, a great HR. He, he, under, he or she understands the whole area of HR, right? Human yeah. resources. Uh, they need to be a leader in the community. And in some smaller churches, Jim, they, they tack onto that youth pastor and worship leader and graphic artists and, and you know, an editor of the bulletin. Did yeah. I miss any? I mean, there's yeah, no when I first came, it was groundskeeper on top of that, janitor on top of that, mm -hmm. a, a brilliant husband who had plenty of time with his children and had an adoring wife that was added to that. And, it, and any, you know, any if my kid happened to have a bad day, then that was somehow a reflection on the entire church and an embarrassment to the congregation. You know, it, it's, yeah, I, it, it's personal. It's not just professional. Your list is professional, yeah. but it, it goes well into first. I remember driving a car one time that was so nice. People got mad at me because I'm not giving my money to a church that pays, you know, pastors to drive that kind of a car. But I also remember another time when I'm not going to a church that doesn't pay their pastor enough that he drives that lousy minivan. I'm embarrassed you know, by so yeah. you are constantly under scrutiny and expectation as a leader in the church in a way that maybe is a second only to like the presidency, and mm -hmm. and the presidency has a good crew around them normally. So, yeah. I what I don't want to be as the pastor is to have Fox News and MSNBC and CNN represented as you will in my congregation with all their strong opinions and commentaries mm -hmm. on my failures and my weaknesses. Looking for looking for strengths and looking for weaknesses, and so. And, and so I, I wonder, you know, if there are some who are listening or watching today yeah. thinking, well, you know what, guys, just too bad. That's the lot of lead pastors. That's, <laughs> that's, okay. just, that's just the mm -hmm. ministry. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, lead pastors should just fake competency in these 16 areas, you know, because that's what people expect or what they expect out of themselves. And can we just categorically reject all of that thinking? Yeah. It, it, here, Jim, it's my position, and I might be wrong about this, and I'm open to correction, but I believe that you can only be great at a few things. Yeah. You can be, you yeah. can be halfway competent at, yeah. at more than a few things, but you can only be great at a few things. Yeah. Now, you might be pastoring a small church where you're the only paid staff. Yeah. And you end up doing a lot of the things on the list that we, we mentioned. But if you ever want to grow sustainably and keep your sanity at the same time, letting go of some of these expectations, these roles that are just, you know, so I think we listed 23 or 24. Yeah. There are, there's some things you can't let go of, right? You can't let go of being a good husband. 
or a good right. wife. You, know, right. you can't let go of that one, right? You can't let go of being a good parent. Yeah. You can't let go of that. But there are things that pastors are doing that are ancillary, that are um, outside of, way outside of their assignment. And, it, and often, Jim, it gets in the way of their real assignment. And yeah. it creates an incredible amount of stress. So, yeah. you know, if you're listening today and you think, yeah, I, I'm doing most of that list. How do I, what do I do with this? We're talking about how do we rethink the role? Where do I start? Yeah. Where does the pastor start? Do it. And we should, right? We should take everything we know about it to some degree on a dry erase board and erase it and say, if Jesus was going to write on this board now, what would he put up there first? That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. And so I think I, I think that is a good thought process to get us started. I, I would suggest this as well as a next step is to read Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. Yes, huge. Paul says it was he, speaking of Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. And here's the punchline. To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up. Right. And, and can I just notice that so the, so the, the great theologian or the great ground, uh, groundskeeper or the great you know, commission follower, the great missionary, all the things that they're expecting one person to be. If we could kind of flip the script and say, my job is to find those here so that, and release you to be a great groundskeeper for the Lord in the church, to be a great children's pastor, to be someone who's great with money. My job is to, is to, to discover, to delegate and to trust. You know what I mean? So my, I'm here to produce a ministry that God's going to flow through you. So it's not you watching me as a consumer. It's us this is a family. We all have responsibilities. I love that. I think that's brilliant. I read a, a little uh, uh, article by a guy named David Lowe's. And, yeah. David, and he said this, and I thought it was so, so interesting. He said, we need to shift from a performative model of ministry in which the mark of competence is that the professional you know, does yeah. the, all of the central tasks of the faith uh, uh, experience yeah. to a formative Model. Yes. So from a performative to a formative model, and, and in his explanation of it, he says in that model, the mark of competence isn't you as the lead pastor doing everything. The mark of competence is getting people to be figure out how God has put them together. What's their passion? What's their pain? What's yeah. their proficiency? We keep yeah. talking about that in our podcasts yeah. uh, and releasing them into their God-ordained destiny. Yeah. That's, that is skill. That is success. That's the measurement, right? And yeah. Ephesians, and, and it's not just a great idea. That's what I think Ephesians 4, 11, and 12 is doing. Yes. And I fear this, that we leaders have allowed the expectations of those we lead to dictate what we as leaders should do. Paul seems to suggest that our primary job is to equip believers to do the work of ministry so that the church, the people of God might be built up. Yes. And, and it makes sense. It gets rid of the spectator thing, right? I, I, it's funny that I've done this for years. Maybe we've talked about this in the past, but if I want to find someone who cares about the way the building looks, the building doesn't look right. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's trees, there's garbage, whatever. I will take a piece of trash 
and put it about five feet in front of the front door that people walk through and watch who walks past it and who stops to pick it up. And the guy that stops to pick it up, I said, thank you. I, I'm actually the one that threw it there and asked God to show me someone who cares about the way this place looks. Not That's not my job. That's not my job. Somebody said it may not be my job, but, but it's, I'm going to take it on as my role in this moment. And I, I want to, can I buy you coffee just to say thank you? And in that conversation, like when you did that, like you really care about the way the church looks, you know, Saturday from nine to 11, I get out there and, you know, do landscaping and said, would you like to join me sometime? Well, now, you know, you got somebody that's joining you. And then before long, it's, hey, there's three people and now you're not really needed anymore. You know, you can back away. And the guy that picked up the trash is now in charge of the way the building looks. And he's found his ministry. It's, it's, he's, he's rowing the boat. So he's a lot less likely to rock it. Right. And there's satisfaction, Christianity, that tells us what to do and what not to do, but never tells us who we are. And it gives us opportunities to be that. It's, there's going to be a growing dissatisfaction with that. So I, I, think this is, I think this is an A solution. I think this has always been the solution. Mm-hmm. It, we have created the problem. The Bible yeah. didn't, didn't create the model we have. It created the solution to the model we have, I think. Yes. And, you know, that being said, I, I think we would both agree that there are a few roles from our initial list of 23. Yep that we, we can't fully delegate. Now, we talked about the personal stuff already. Let's talk about the professional side of this or the ministry side of it. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think you can delegate prayer. No, 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 no. I mean, nobody should pray about the church you lead more than you do. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, you need to hear, as a pastor, you need to hear from God as it relates to the overall direction, yeah. the overall health of that local body of believers. Yeah. Now, I don't think you can let go of that. Now, mm-hmm. can you invite other people into that? You should. Yes. You shouldn't carry it alone, but nobody should pray more about the church than you do. Um, and, I, and I'm smiling because the joy when God gives you the next sermon title, when God, you know, reveals the answer to the question that everybody's yeah. asking. It, it's prayer time is not a duty. It's a, it's a relational right. norm. And, and when, you know, if you're, if, for me, one of the things the Lord said to me early on was I was really intimidated by being a senior pastor. So he reduced it to this. He said, let's just make it a father-son project. And it reminded me of the Pinewood Derby cars with my yeah. old man when I was a kid. He was an engineer for Ford, which meant he did 99% of it. I got to paint it, but he built it. It had to be perfect. It had to be engineered properly. It had to, you know, and, and in this, I mean, that was a unique experience for me, but it really prepared me to be a senior pastor, it seems like a daunting task unless it's a father-son project or in some cases, a daddy-daughter dance where you stand on his feet and he does the moving and it's called dancing. It's a, it doesn't have to be that hard. Right. And, and so here's a couple of other areas I don't think you can delegate. Uh, visioning. I don't mm-hmm. think you can delegate that as lead no, pastor. leading. Yeah. Uh, shaping the culture. Yeah. I don't think you can, uh, you can give that away and not, and not pay attention to that. Uh, preaching and teaching. You, I mean, obviously, if you're the lead pastor, you're going to be the primary communicator yeah. um, and, and leadership development. But none of the, I don't think those areas can can be delegated. I think I mean, yeah. they can be shared. Yes. But they yeah. they can't be let go of where I have no I have no piece of that. So let's think about that thought for just a minute, Jim. So visioning and culture shaping, and preaching and teaching, leadership development. They don't have to be the sole domain of the lead pastor, yeah. you know, because, you know, your team is going to help you fine tune the vision, right? Hopefully. Right. Yeah. Uh, 
you're the culture champion as the lead pastor, but if you're the only one championing the culture, it won't be shaped properly, right? You need right. you need this mass of people who are helping you do that. Yeah, um, I think you, like I said, you'll be the primary communicator, but but you don't have to preach every Sunday. No. Why not develop your team's ability yeah. to do that? When I when I was a lead pastor, I even had, you know, and I'm not saying you should do this, but I, this is just something I did. I had some guys on my board that had a teaching gift. Yeah. They were excellent communicators. Right. I cut them loose on a Sunday and people loved it, you know. Yes. And, and, yeah. and so I, I think that um, those roles we can't let go of fully, but we definitely can invite people to join in with us. Does that does that make sense? I, I do, because, you know, again, as you ask, what's your passion, pain, proficiency? Let's say one of your board members answers that, and it is communicating the gospel. It's a specific area, you know, marriage or evangelism or missions, whatever they, they really have in their heart. And you give them that platform to express it. You're, you're doing your Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. You're preparing, you prepared him to do this good work, which was expose people to something that you knew little about or weren't as qualified to discuss or aren't as passionate about, you gave him room for his gift. Right. So I, I think, I think there's something healthy about that, John. We, we had a brilliant worship leader for five years. A lot of people got saved during that five years. And when he went to go pastor a church, we planted him back in his hometown of Millersville, Georgia. When, when he left us, like no one knew how to worship unless he was leading the song. Mm. And I went, Oh, that's bad. So all these new yeah. believers couldn't, couldn't worship. It wasn't the same. People started to kind of dwindle away. I just don't feel the church has changed. Like, Oh, so we decided that we would have different rotating worship leaders that no one would lead more than one song per week and no one would lead more than twice per month mm-hmm. in any song. I know that's, it's, and it's, we have a lot of talent, so that's not everybody's thing. But what was neat was now anybody can lead worship because the worship leader has less effect on, on the quality of the worship in the room than ever before. Right. And so we observe that as I'm getting older and as, you know, my, my days are, I have less days of senior pastoring in front of me than behind me, even at the same church for 26 years and I'm 55. So I would imagine I'm not going to be in my eighties when I, when I stop being the senior pastor before that. So we're starting, let's, let's let some of these younger guys, let's bring in, let's, and yeah. we're getting people adjusted to me not being the speaker every week because it's what's healthy for the church. And we're giving people with gifts, the opportunity to use those gifts um, and, and there's a real joy in, in doing it. There's a greater joy in being a father. There's a joy in being a hero, if you will. There's a greater joy in being a hero maker. That's right. uh, Bob Buford used to say, my favorite fruit grows on other people's trees. Yeah. I, I love that saying. It's, yeah. it's giving away ministry and opening doors for people. And we're observing uh, many of our clients are moving toward a teaching team, a preaching yes. team, yep. or already implemented that. Yeah. And the um, it has just been good on all levels. Right. It's yeah. it's it's allowed people a, a platform to develop their gifts. It's yeah. also taken some pressure off that yes. leader to be interesting yeah. every week. One of the biggest pressures of being a lead pastor is being interesting every week. Yeah, <laughs> really hard to do. Um, so, I mean, we could talk about this forever in in. And I, and I told you before we got started today, I feel like I'm going to open up, we're going to open up a can of worms and not yeah. get the worms back in the can. Yeah. Um, but I'm okay with that, right? You know, I, I want to I ask this question to yeah. those who are listening or watching. Why should you think about rethinking the lead pastor role? Let me give you, let me give you a, a compelling reason. 
because yeah. pastors are dropping like flies. Yeah. They're exiting vocational ministry in increasing numbers, Jim. Yeah. They're suffering. In 2020, Barna said lead pastors are suffering a rate of major depression, 50%. 50% of them are suffering with major depression. And, and while other factors are contributing to that malaise, it's not just the subject we're talking about today. Trying to be proficient in 23 competencies has made the role impossible. Yeah. Yeah. It's made, and, and so we want you to be well. We want you to be healthy. We want you to be realistic about what you can and can't do. Yes. And, and that's it. What you can and can't do. What you were made to do, created to do, and what you weren't created to do. Right. I will never put grace on my imitation of somebody else. I'll only put grace on what he created me to be. That's right. Yeah. So I would like to just offer maybe a next step or two, Jim, uh, yeah, as we please. wrap this up today for, for overwhelmed leaders. Yeah. Um, here's one thing I would encourage you to do. Take a long, hard look at that list of competencies that we mentioned. Yeah. Write them on a whiteboard even. Yeah. And what of that list do you need to put on pause for a bit that yeah. you're doing? Um, which ones can you delegate? Like, I think there are certain things you can delegate that you don't have to touch hardly at all anymore. Like there can be administrative things. I know in your context, you know, uh, your wife handles so much of the administration. And I know you're not involved in that. I mean, you know about what's you know what's going on, but you're not involved in the day to day of that. No, um, excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. Which of that list are mission critical? Yeah. So you know, here's it, here it is. What of that list you need to put on pause? What can you delegate? And which ones are mission critical? Yeah. I would encourage our leaders that are listening today to focus on, focus their best energies on the mission critical items. Yes. You cannot do everything at once. You must accept the fact that you are limited um, and that you can only do certain things. Quick example, and then I'll give you the second step. And then, um, I'll have you wrap us up. Yeah. So when we took on the role, Lauren, I took on the role of planning a campus, yeah. a multi-site campus church for our church five years ago. Hmm. I told our lead pastor, look, I have, I'm I, I, I leading a company, Converge Coaching, and I can't do everything. Yeah. What do you want me to focus on? He said, John, I want you to focus on two things. I want you to pour into the lives of the team leads, and I want you to, to help construct or build the DNA of connection and friendship and, and genuine interest in people. Those yeah. are your two. So that was my, yeah, nice. that was my nice assignment, look. right? <laughs> he, helped, he helped me figure that out. So yeah. when somebody would come to me and say, are we going to start small groups here at this campus? No. Hmm. Well, why not? They're important. Yeah, I agree. But we don't have enough leadership for that right now. Yeah. Are, are we going to do this ministry? Nope. Why not? Because we don't have enough leadership for it. And, and, and you know what? We yeah. focus on two things. Yeah. And that thing grew in that first year dramatically. It yeah. was an amazing 12 months. And, and so look, you don't have to do everything well, figure out what's mission critical and, and get proficient in that. Yeah. Second step is start equipping people. Yes. Start equipping people. And if you don't know how to do that, um, we have a, a mechanism 
we have a, a way to help you with that. Jim, just take like 60 seconds to explain it and then wrap us up. Yeah, there's, there's a philosophical change that, that we've talked about for years now that leadership need to shift to, and that's from the recruiting model. We need four more workers. We need eight to do this. If we can't do this, then we can't provide this ministry any longer. Uh, from the recruiting model to the releasing model. And um, one of the things I do, like with a CEO or a senior pastor, when we're trying to help them through a process, they're overwhelmed, they're burning out, is I, I will take a, a long hour and just write out on the on the board that what, what you're responsible for, what are you responsible, and we'll just and fill up a whole drawer race board. So now you're beginning to circle the things that are most important, the things that are that you have to do. And when they reach 20%, wh whether or not they're done or not, I stop it. So those are the top 20%. We look at all the things that aren't circled, and I say now if in the next six months to a year, you need to delegate to, to competent people these other 80% of the things. So how do you find those things? How do you find those people? How do you release it to them? How do you discover the treasures that God has put in your congregation right. to, to serve the ministry? And so we, we have something called from recruiting to releasing and a space around one, one pyramid, two questions and, and three circles. And you can learn more about that uh, soon as, as we do this. But, but very simply, ask people, take them out to coffee. They pick up the piece of trash. Take them out to coffee. They showed up early. They stayed late and they talked to people. They're pastorally gifted. Take them out to coffee. What, they, they hang out. They all play with all the little kids. They're the best grader you have. Whatever it is. They love Bible studies. They have Bible studies. You don't even have groups, but they have a Bible study group in their home. When they identify themselves through their behaviors of who they are and that's missing or lacking in the church, take them out to coffee and say, what's your passion? What's your pain? What's your proficiency? And where those three circles overlap, they'll, they'll begin to, to tell you how God has sent them to your congregation. Make sure you know them, refine them, and then release them. And they are the best. I mean, uh, they will not quit. They know how to pray. They're in the word because they're in the ministry as much as you are. They're exercising their anointings and gifts just as the senior pastor is. So these, your, your church is full of gifts. Finding them, refining them, releasing them, that there's very simple, very logical. When you when you see it, you'd be like, oh, I should have seen this. And I, I get that. We're just getting language to what you've already seen. But when you see it all together, it is it is congregational changing. It's life-changing for you and for those that you bring into. And you get to go back to Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. You're finding them, you're discovering them, you're equipping them, and then you're releasing them for works of service. And right. uh, it's it's a neat way to live. And so if you're interested in, in finding out more about that, you can just go to convergecoach.com, yeah. uh, click the contact link, and uh, just let us know that you'd like to have a, a discussion with us about that the first yeah. 30 minutes. You can have 30 minutes with us for no charge, and uh, we'll just see if we can be helpful to you. Right on. Yeah, good. Well, John, thank you for this. I, I Again, I hope this sparks conversations. I hope husbands and wives talk to each other about this. So staffs talk, I hope, I hope boards and, and pastors talk about this yes. because once I, I think sometimes we labor under the delusion that people want all 23 competencies and they really don't. And we feel like we're failing when we're really succeeding or they didn't even know we needed help until we burned out those sorts of things. So let's please use this as a conversation starter. Please have the conversations, make the decisions. And I, I love, I'll take a good long look. What is most important? Do those things. And I'll just close it with this, that, that you are every man's servant, but you only have one master. Right. Do what your master has called you and equipped you to do. Um, and, and he will never ask you to do more. He won't say, why don't you invest 27 talents? Because you only gave me three. 
You know what I mean? He's not asking you to invest what he hasn't given you. So you got it. You have everything that God has given to you. It can be developed and we want to help. So God bless you, our dear listeners and watchers. Thank you for joining us today on this podcast. We hope that it, it really um, spurs you on to love and good deeds. And we hope to see you again soon as we continue to lead from the life.